The following recording is offered by the Village Zendo. For more information, please visit villagezendo.org. Okay, hello everyone. Lovely to see you. Let me look at each screen. That's just fabulous. Some old timers I haven't seen for a while. I've been going to the Zendo in person most of the time. And although there's a screen, it's just not as easy to see everyone that's that's online. So it's a joy to take a look uh, at all of you. Thank you for coming. You know, this is how we make Sangha together. Just find a time and a place to be together and support one another in practice. It's really important to do. And right now, you know, it's uh, this transition time, the end of summer. Outside my window, I see, I thought, oh, it's still summer. And then I looked and I saw that the leaves, no, they've just very quietly and gradually turned yellow. And, uh, you know, telling me it is actually autumn. Uh, Even though it's really hot uh, today, there's this, this sense of the colors of autumn. And, and, you know, if you go to the farmer's market, you see all the uh, the wonderful uh, pumpkins and melons and um, the, the produce of, of autumn. And uh, when I was at the market the other day, I, I, I thought of this wonderful Japanese poem uh, uh, by Ronsetsu uh, from the 17th century. He wrote, the melon, how well it keeps itself. That's it. The melon, how well it keeps itself. You know, that that's kind of, I mean, that's the equanimity and uh, kind of the roundness and completeness of a melon, you know, that I kind of aspire to for my own uh, well-being is is to to be able to say how well she keeps herself just being a melon. Uh, I can imagine a honeydew or maybe a watermelon or a cantaloupe all sitting in a field, you know, in, in the morning dew or in your market, all those melons, they're not rushing, hurrying, but they're simply being contained, being a melon. How well you keep yourself. Then I think of the quality of many of our lives particularly as we are recovering from the pandemic isolation and having to make all kinds of choices. You know, the newspapers are full. You know, why aren't people back at work? What is going on? What about the kids at school? Um, We broke a lot of old habits during the the shutdowns. And I, I see that coming back, there's a lot of ambivalence. Uh, to return to the way it was before. 
which was often for many people a really fragmented, stressed out way of life. It's almost as if there's a sense it's time to resume being squashed by our commitments, <laughs> not having time to fully engage in our lives before we rush off to the next thing. We want to get back in the groove, but we don't want the groove to be so frantic. You know, it's it's not new. When I thought about this, I remembered this, uh, this, this line from Chaucer in the 14th century. He described one of his pilgrims. You know, he, he wrote this story about these pilgrims, and he described one of them as, Nowhere so busy a man as he there was, and yet he seemed busier than he was. <laughs> no, nowhere so busy a man as he there was, and yet he seemed busier than he was. Every once in a while I catch myself seeming busier than I really am. Something about human nature, isn't it? We can laugh at, at this line of self-importance. Uh, someone who takes their busyness as, as a sign of their value. We feel sometimes busier than we really are. Because of the hurried quality of our minds. To be busy is to be activated, is to be involved in activity. And in a positive light, it's to be engaged in a pursuit, to give sustained effort. And then on the other side, there's this grasping, you know, uh, the greedy quality of compulsivity kind of creating a, a real imbalance in our lives. And in that way, we can be like a hungry ghost with enormous ac appetite for activity. And I, I think that I'm describing myself in many times in my life where I become this hungry ghost, this little thin neck that can only take in so much, so many activities, and yet this belly that wants to just have everything, a uh, 24-hour body through which we ingest all our desires. In the Avatamsaka Sutra, there's a line that says these, these hungry ghosts within ourselves are wounded by the thorns of craving. Wounded by the thorns of craving. You know, I look at my possessions and it's just a, a bunch of time tools. I measure myself. How, how far I walk today, what my heart rate was, what my schedule is. Little personal assistants that go beep, beep. <laughs> And remind me, 
the electronic calendar constantly flashing the next thing. It's easy to begin to think of ourselves as like living in, in a timeline. Occupying a space in an electronic calculator. I don't know. Uh, all my life, I tend to overschedule myself, and so I can I can talk about this. I have <laughs> I've paid my dues, <laughs> uh, and even things that are really good for us, like zazen and body practice, uh, study, time with friends and family. They can get if we're not careful, they can get relegated to like boxes in a chart as opposed to a joyful expression of our life. Because we began to neglect what's important. We neglect what is here for us now. You know, I always, when I seek some kind of help in this conundrum that's been a conundrum of my life. Uh, I, I always go back to Dogen, uh, the, the great uh, 13th century Zen master, who wrote a beautiful fascicle on time that we'll be studying in the spring. Uh, but Dogen's fascicle starts with the positing uh, that we, each of us are time. That's how we could think of ourselves as time. So if you don't make time outside of yourself, but you become time, then you can inhabit your experience of time in a much more intimate way. The way Dogen wrote, thus the self seeing itself out in array sees itself. Thus the self setting itself out in array sees itself. This is the understanding that the self is time. The way we experience ourselves, as he says, setting ourselves in array, is our time, is our life. And thus, when we can see it that way, we can recognize who we are. Of course, I started this talk alluding to the kind of frustrations that arise. What Dogen calls hindering, what gets in the way. He wrote, as hindering is caused by you, there is no hindering that is separate from you. Thus you go out and meet someone. Someone meets someone. You meet yourself. Going out meets going out. If these are not the actualization of time, it could not be thus. I love this. Let me read it again. As hindering is caused by you, there is no hindering that is separate from you. Thus you go out and meet someone. Someone meets someone. You meet yourself. Going out meets going out. If these are not the actualization of time, they cannot be thus. 
you know, it feels like Dogen's reminding us that what we experience as hindrance or as obstruction, impedance, is overwhelming. But is really our mind providing us with hindrance and overwhelming. It is simply our mind. Perhaps you experience that. Even when you're pressed and harassed, pushed, if you just stop for a moment, just stop for a second, you realize, actually, oh, I have all the time I need. I have all the time I need. It is as if we can find a space within ourselves that is quiet and complete. Dogen says, as hindering is caused by you, there's no hindering that is separate from you. So all of the the simus, simus, the business that arises is what we're causing. And all we have to do is just this, just this. This hindering is not separate from you. It is nothing but you. And he says, someone meets someone, you meet yourself. You meet yourself. That's intimacy. That's coming back away from the ideas, what I should do, what I heard, what I can consider. Intimacy, you meet yourself. It's all right here. Now, a contemporary poet, W.S. Merwin, you know, only passed it a couple of few years ago, a wonderful poet, very influenced by Buddhist tradition, uh, wrote this poem that I think answers, it goes right to the heart of what Dogen is saying. And the name of this poem is To Waiting. We would consider waiting, what is waiting, right? You spend so much of your time expecting to become someone else, always someone who will be different, someone to whom a moment, whatever moment it may be, at last has come, and who has been met and transformed into no longer being you, and so has forgotten you. Meanwhile, in your life, you hardly notice the world around you. Lights changing, sirens dying along the buildings, your eyes intent on a sight you do not see yet. Not yet there, as long as you are only yourself. With whom, as you recall, you were never happy to be left alone, alone with for long. I'm going to read it again. It's too good. To waiting. 
You spend so much of your time expecting to become someone else, always someone who will be different, someone to whom a moment, whatever moment it may be, at last has come and who has been met and transformed and no longer being you and so has forgotten you. Meanwhile, in your life, you hardly notice the world around you, lights changing, sirens dying along the buildings, your eyes intent on a sight you do not see yet, not yet there, as long as you are only yourself, with whom, as you recall, you were never happy to be left alone for long. That's, that's a syndrome I'm familiar with. We spend so much time reaching out to some idea of ourselves, not who we are. And, and meanwhile, in that, that grasping, uh, we, we miss our lives as they are happening in that moment. And we run away from ourselves, grasping for an idea, a theory. So I do think that this is why we are all so very, very busy. And of course, realizing that we can feel bad and we can like begin to beat ourselves up over how we've chosen to live our life whether we blame ourselves or we blame others, we are equally miserable. What is it that happens when we begin to observe ourselves in that way? There's a, you know, there's a bunch of stories. They're like, Fairy tales, really, they're called the Jataka tales in the old Buddhist canon. And uh, there's a story I will tell you that I hope will lend some light on this question of why we feel so resentful and victimized by our experience of time. Uh, it's, a, it's a farmer and an ox. And uh, they're very close. And the ox says to the farmer, why are you so sad these days? And the farmer says, well, you know, I'm running out of money. And the ox says, well, I have an idea. Let's go to town. And you can wager that I can pull 100 cart carts loaded with rocks and you'll make a lot of money. So the next morning, uh, the farmer, although worried about this, took silver from his savings and made the wager in town. And all the people gathered round and, and the farmer started to get really nervous. He said, oh my God, I've given this, I've, I've made this great wager, you know, is the ox gonna come through for me? Uh, and uh, uncharacteristically, he began to hit the ox, his friend, the ox, his ox, and shouting, you wretch, now you must pull hard. Go, go, go. The ox wouldn't move. And the crowd laughed at him. The farmer lost all the money. 
loss, disgrace, goes back home, sits back at home on a barrel and cries, cries. And the ox puts his head through the window and says, why are you crying? Because you let me down. The ox said, when have I ever let you down? Why did you insult me? Why did you beat me when I only wanted to serve you? The farmer says, I'm, I'm so sorry. I became afraid. I'd lose. And then the ox, whose name, by the way, is Great Joy, <laughs> says to the farmer, let's try it again. And this time, bet everything you have, 10,000 silver coins. And so the farmer said he'd do, he would. And they went to town. Farmer made the bet. And this time the farmer says to the ox, dear one, please pull with all your might. And the ox pulled and he pulled. And he pulled the cart all around the square. Success. Award. Now, why did I tell you that story? <laughs> I think it's important for us to pay attention to how we treat our ox. How do we treat our time being? How do we treat our being in time? There's harshness. There's franticness. There's scolding. And even, you know, if we find a spiritual relationship, a good practice, good relationship with others, good work, that old conditioning can punish us and really taint our experience of our life. We strike ourselves and insult ourselves. Like the ox, the true self stops, hey. <laughs> withdraws, becomes immobile, and no longer functions, slips into a false self, In that way, we avoid our true nature. We become lost and lose confidence in ourselves. We begin to rush around, victims of our thoughts. What we need is just to become closer and more intimate with ourselves. Rather than trying to find ourselves in more and more busy, busy activity, in more addiction, we need to find ourselves right now, where we are. Dogen says, do not think that time merely flies away. Do not see flying away as the only function of time. If time merely flies away, you would be separated from time. 
the reason you do not clearly understand the time being is that you think of time only as passing. If time is not flying away, I ask you, what is time? I'll give you a Zen answer. A monk asked Matsu, what is the meaning of Buddhism? Matsu said, what is the meaning of this moment? What is the meaning of Buddhism? What is the meaning of time? What is the meaning of this moment? This moment that each of us are living now. What is your life, really? So I'd encourage you to, you know, try, try, like for one day, to just do one thing at a time. Notice your body in each effort. Even just sitting zazen, just notice your body, how it sits, how your breath moves in and out. Notice the quality of light in the room. Try watching a shadow slowly move or a cloud across the sky. When there's a sound, just listen to it. And then listen to it as it fades away. And listen to the silence. Savor what you heard. Savor the silence after the sound. I think Jake Dogan is really good medicine for us these days. We don't need to fill up our minds and hearts with information constantly. We can just sit in our home, even at our work. Just sit and be alive and realize that we are time itself. And we are complete and whole, just like that melon, how well it keeps itself. So I think we can consider melon practice during this autumn season. Thanks for listening. <laughs>